Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of anime trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I am joined by. Hello, I'm Isabel, and. This is Agnes. Without further ado, the Girl Taku today will be about our favorite cups and sh- couples in ships and anime. Again, part two. Um, we had a lot Woo! of <laughs> we part had a two. really fun time uh, ranting about it last time, and we realized that there was a lot of couples we still want to cover that we just don't have time to cover in a one-hour episode. So we are continuing our fangirling. So I am going to pass the baton first to Agnes. Agnes, who are your two new additional couples that you just really want to rant about and, you know, fangirl about or ship about? <laughs> oh, God, there's there's so many. I was recombing through the list this morning from, like, all the anime charts and couple, ships and couples articles. And I'm like, man, there's so many to choose from. Um, the first one that I'm going to highlight is from a series called... It's an original series from Masai Games... Uh, IP called Shingeki no Bahamut. Oh. And that features. <gasps> oh, I know. Yeah! <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> it features the very bombastic doofus himbo Favoro and the lovely demon girl Amira. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you, Gracie probably understands why I love them so much. Um, I think they're pretty, they're a pretty badass couple in that sense. They're going, um, so the plot, uh, Isabel, actually, not before I hop into it, Isabel, do you know the, the, the plot of Shingeki no Bahamut? I actually have not. I've not, um, I've heard great things, but I've not watched it myself. Mm-hmm. Mappa did fantastic animation production, solid storyline, chef's kiss. Oh, Mappa <laughs> did ship- this! I didn't know yeah, that! Yeah, Mappa did. <laughs> it was one of the first few shows that Mappa did before they really took, I think it was like their second show right after, uh, Terror of Resonance. Oh my gosh, you know, it is insane when we think back to anime that studios have done before they became, like, popular and stuff, so it's like, oh yeah, they did do that, and it was good, (laughs) so... Yeah, it was, like, legitimately good, but anyway, yes. Um, So, Shigeki no Bahamut, or Rage of Bahamut, is a story about demons that can be summoned from another plane, and people often like to abuse that power. Um, There are angels and demons that... Uh, that kind of guard over the world and there's a mysterious entity called the Bahamut that can be basically resurrected and summoned. The angels and demons have sequestered away the Bahamut um, and there is a, there are very, there are human, there are humans that exist in the world and many of them are like demon bounty hunters that go around resealing lesser petty demons and one of them is known as Favaro. He goes around and he does this and he encounters a girl named Amira who turns out to be kind of like this half angel and half demon breed and she requests that he take her back to her homeland because she has no recollection of how to return there. Favaro is kind of like, I'm not going to do this stuff. Why should I do it for you? And she basically curses him and he has to lie his way throughout the entire series of like how he can get her back home. It's really fun to watch their dynamic. Yeah, no, they're like, they're a really fun couple, I think. And it's like, and okay, I'm like, because it's been a while. So she's like sort of the colder one. Yes? No? Who? What? The colder one, like the one that's like a little more calm and he's the more eccentric one, I think. Uh, oh, are you talking about the one with the pompadour? 
Uh, no, 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 sorry. I, I'm talking about the couple because you know how there's like dynamics in particular with ships and stuff like that. So I feel like, okay, maybe I'm just remembering different characters. It's been a while. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Walk us through it. It's good. Walk us through it. You know, it's a refresher course. Okay. <laughs> We're only four minutes in. Okay. Right. Okay. So I feel like, I feel like in this case, it was the girl who was a bit like calmer and like, um, maybe not colder, but like calmer is sort of like, uh, logical and like the guy was sort of more eccentric am i thinking of a different couple completely from shingeki maybe i'm thinking of the sequel <laughs> uh oh oh no actually i think you're kind of spot on because the the sequel is like the reverse where it's like the super ganky girl and this like really cool and aloof guy who kind of manipulates her so that's the sequel which i don't like in particular right but the pre the the original that came out of it you're you're on the nose amira is more of like the cool and collected type but she's like slightly mischievous and she has a penchant of curiosity yes uh, yes okay a, there, i'm on the right track yeah you're, you're good you're, you're good <laughs> there's a there's a goose in the series there's like to a talking goose in the series he's like a he's like a magical creature and the entire time she meets him she just squats down in front of them and there's like this this glow in her eyes of sheer of her wanting to eat him <laughs> it's kind of hilarious because she's like a half demon sort of fish so she kind yeah. of like can i eat this and favreau's like no you can't eat this <laughs> Um, but Favaro is very lovable and very bombastic in a way that he's very colorful, but he's also very humane too. Like he has a lot of humility and a lot of regret, which paints him, I guess, more complex than he looks. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, I don't. Well, I know why, but it's like the whole thing with the goose and wanting to eat it kind of reminds me of um, Venom and um, the and like uh, the the antagonist for one of the antagonists for Spider Man, where he uh, he harbors uh, Eddie's uh, Eddie's body, and every time he sees something, he's like, "Ooh, that looks delicious. Can I eat it?" Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just exactly like that. Yeah. Um. So what was the moment that just made you ship them? Or was there a moment at all? You know, like, was it just something that, like, you felt grow? Or, yeah. It was, like, there were moments that Mappa definitely dropped into the original series where, like, uh, there's one moment where Favaro teaches her about, like, human customs. And they just basically eat, drink, and dance. And that's all that they do. Oh and it's gosh. such a wholesome moment. <laughs> Um, and then there's the, you know, like the final scene at the very end of the series where they do exchange like a kiss, a very sad one, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but that, but I think I started shipping them even earlier because they had such good chemistry together and it like, my love for them just grew over the series and I was just like, yes, this is solid. Give it to me. This, those are the best kinds, I feel like. Because it's like, not that I'm saying the kinds where there's a scene that makes you ship them is bad, but it's like the ones that grow gradually where you're just like, oh, yes, I feel it. I feel it. The Kokoro, like, sort of thing. I feel like we're <laughs> yeah, yeah, really yeah, genuine. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's done in, like, in a, even though Favaro and, um, and all the other characters are kind of, like, very very late teens like early 20s ish like they mm. still give off such a really good vibe like it's nice it's a nice cut in between of like maturity but also like there's some childish play in it as well it's not like a typical high school rom-com yeah 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 for sure and i do like how uh i i do like how even though the girl is like sort of the calmer colder one that she has that mischievous side and it just balances so well with like the more eccentric but not really of the male guy because it's like it's not too much carbon copies of ships 
dynamics we've seen while still playing into them in a clever way is how I would put it. Oh, 100%. I definitely agree with you on that one. Can you talk about like like a moment or like a moment between the characters that you really like to or like some type of scene that really stood out to you? Oh, uh, I think I mentioned earlier, it's the, the dance, the eat, drink, and dancing one. Because oh. it's like, yeah, because that one is just really silly altogether. Amira does not know what alcohol is. Um, because oh. she has like no memories oh my gosh, of like, her I past or whatever. That now. Yes. So, so Favaro, so Favaro is like looking away. He's like talking to somebody. And then Amira, out of curiosity, drinks like this whole tankard of ale. Oh no. And she's like, she's like blushy. She's like really like dizzy eyed. And she's like, She's like, another! She's like, Thor, you know, like, when he drinks something and he, like, he slams it into the ground. He's like, another! And so Favaro's, like, highly amused and, like, rallies up for more, like, food and drinks for them to eat. And she just consumes it like it's no tomorrow. She's, like, really drunk. She's really stuffed. And then she sees that people are dancing and she's like, what are they doing? And Favaro's like, oh, that's another human custom. We dance. So he takes her out to the dance floor. And it's not, like, something romantic, like, you know, like a ball or something. It's, like, typical tavern kind of like rough housing dancing and she has like a ton of fun and Mappa does a really great job in that scene where they're like where they're weaving together the beats and the movements and it's like very staccato staccato oh. like staccato. Uh, very staccato like yeah and it's like it really drives it home of like how fun and lively it is and then in the last bit it cools down to when he when he like takes her outside to like cool off from being drunk and she's just like dancing in the water and I'm like that's so cute I think I remember the dancing scenes as like some of the most beautifully animated scenes in that series like not just like in the season one and season two it's like whenever dancing happens you're just like oh this is beautiful yeah dancing it just tugs you in yeah it's really done done very well so basically isabel you should ship it with us yes <laughs> or just All watch right. the series because the series is great <laughs> even if you don't ship it I'll definitely um, try i was just shot. thinking to myself uh agnes i'm like i see a theme here because there's sasha the potato girl and then other people about like talking oh, about no. food and now here she is again about food. <laughs> oh no okay i it's funny that you say that because my mom also says the same thing to me. She's like, all you just think about is food. And I'm like, yeah, so what? <laughs> or do you I do like food. <laughs> um, so I feel accused. <laughs> Nothing wrong with liking food. I am a fan of food as well. I yeah. mean, maybe not to the love and passion of uh, Sasha, but definitely I love food. Um, so who is your second couple that is food involved? That's the question now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, it's not food involved. Surprising. I, I was going to pick a different couple, but then I was scrolling through um, Funimation and watching some stuff this morning, mm. and I completely forgot about this couple. Um, it is Hanako and Yashiro Nene from Toilet Bound Hanako oh. that I really like. Gracie, you should watch it. It's not horror, I promise. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's it. supernatural. I, I'm guessing from the art style that it is not horror. So I don't know why I just didn't pick it up that year. I just, which is funny because I know nobody, nobody picked it up. I think when when it first aired, like everyone was going to be like, oh, it's it's such a weird title name. Like, why is it called Toilet Bound Hanukkah? And I don't think anyone picked it up until I picked it up, like the first couple, three episodes. And then I ended up binging the manga. And I was like, guys, you need to like watch this. Yeah, I <laughs> you know what's interesting though? 
because like you said that not a lot of people picked it up and in a way like I didn't really hear about people picking it up either but it did perform extraordinarily well on our charts so clearly our community there was a good chunk of people who picked it up because it won the winter season too so which is insane yeah 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 it it did um, so, okay, I know about it. Why don't you explain real quick the characters and sort of like the storyline that envelops them? So the the trope of Yashiro and Haruko is kind of interesting because at first it doesn't really feel like an actual romantic trope because so Nene comes to go visit Hanako. Hanako is like a resident ghost that lives inside the school mm-hmm. and she asks him a favor. She asks him, I want you to help me fall in love with my senpai. After this very uh, this very chaotic episode of them trying to make her fall in love with him, she ends up getting cursed by something that Hanako has, and he ends up saving her by splitting the curse between them. And so it now kind of forms like this bond that they have, and that they can like they they can never like let each other go, sort of. Mm-hmm. And at first, you think to yourself like, "God, that's a really suspicious plotline. Like, who who would get behind that? That's so creepy." <laughs> but as you continue like watching the show, it becomes more and more endearing because Hanako himself is actually not creepy. Like, he's not creepy at all. Despite um, the name. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for the fact that he resides in a girl's restroom, sure. But that's actually pointed out in the first episode, too. Oh. So they make it very clear that, like, it's strange that Hanako is occupying the girl's restroom as, like, the supposed female ghost. But nobody really knows the reason why he's there. And he doesn't even know the reason why he's there, too. <laughs> that's actually really funny. So like, like, more- why are you here? I don't really know. Actually, now that you just pointed yeah, like, out. <laughs> yeah, like, literally, like, the first ten minutes of Yashiro meeting uh, Hanako-kun she's like oh she's like oh my god are you like a creepy ghost and Hanako literally just like sulks away and goes back into his bathroom still oh! like I'm sorry I was here oh, no. <laughs> so it's actually like it's actually very interesting and then as the series goes by Hanako becomes extraordinarily more endearing he's very flirtatious in like the teasing dangerous way that has like double implications and then you go read the manga and then your tart is like torn asunder like literally just torn to pieces wait it's a sad ending are you are you telling me it's a sad ending? it's not it hasn't ended yet but there's a lot of tribulations and trials (laughs) so i guess when was it that they started developing into a couple because it's like at the start you know she was asking for help for also like don't you hate it when you get cursed because you're trying to pursue a crush (laughs) and get sent by yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a little bit unfortunate, but that but it's the story's woven in a super duper clever way, and it just really strengthens their bond together. I think mm-hmm. that's why I really like them overall. And also, I just I also have a thing for the the trope of like the kind of dumb girl who just like falls in love for the slightly weirdo psychopath too question mark. <laughs> it's a little bit dubious now mm-hmm. that I say it, but you know. <laughs> All good things. All good things, right? <laughs> yeah, all good things, yeah. So uh, what I was going to ask was when, uh, same question as the first couple you talked about, but when was it that you started shipping them because of how they started out the story, essentially? Oh, I think it's kind of similar to Favoro and Amira, where it was like a gradual process. Because mm. when I was watching the anime, I had like no context of the manga or any of the or any information about the source materials. I was watching it like blind. Um... 
And I just like them, the, their dynamic from the very get-go because it's a little bit different than what you see in a lot of anime shows. Like, if you look at, like, an, a typical otome show, you have, like, the clearly very dangerous guy and the very, like, naive girl. Mm. But they don't have, like, a banter like how Hanako and Yashiro do. Mm. Like, they have, like, this cute little banter of, like, Hanako, like, teasing Nene for being, like, kind of oblivious and stuff. But then she also, like, makes fun of him back, too. Oh, so, like, it's nice. not, it's, it's all fair game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all fair game. Uh, so I can't really pinpoint a particular scene. I just like how the dynamic works overall in the entirety of the series. Mm-hmm. So if there was a season two, now that you're reading the manga, would you watch it? Oh god, yeah, I would watch it and then wait, wait until my heart just gets torn in two once again. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you getting Doom Flag vibes with this shit, Isabel? <laughs> From what I'm hearing, possibly, which makes me sad, but... <laughs> I guess that probably explains the other ship that I mentioned earlier, too, because that was also Doom's flag. Actually, oh, yeah. Wait. Actually, yeah. When you talked about the ending, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like my tragic ship and my angst. Thank you guys for coming for my TED <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. <laughs> Lots of... You, you have a ship graveyard is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I do! <laughs> it just sits there, just like... Just, just waiting in like nostalgic memories and just rotting me into the ground. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um. All right. Well, those are two great ships based on what I've heard. I, I, repre- I really appreciate how you were saying that Hanako and Nene sort of has this like banter going on because I don't think bantering is shown enough. In anime a lot of times because banter is fun. It's cute. And not like the old married couple type of banter, but even just sort of like slightly flirtatious teasing banters is like it's nice to see. And it's also very accurate because I think that's how a lot of real life couples genuinely interact with each other sometimes. So, yeah. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, This actually is a good lead into one of my couples because that was one of the biggest reasons why I like them. So one of the couples I want to talk about is Sakta and Mai from Rascal Never Dreams. Of yes. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Um, Have you both seen it? Because I'm sure you guys have heard of it. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. Mm hmm. I watched like a good chunk and a half. OK, yeah. so you guys so you guys do like the couple. then. <laughs> Oh no, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because uh, that was the that was the same reason why I liked them was because they were both openly flirting with each with each other, which I'm like, yes, teenagers should flirt with each other when they like each other. Like, there's nothing wrong with flirting. Like, just because you flirt doesn't automatically make you, um, what is it called, a playboy? Like, you know, automatically make you a guy who's like had a lot of girls or something like that sort of thing. And so, which I don't, which anime really likes to dive into, but I feel like Sokta is the first case of, I'm really attracted to this girl. I'm not a playboy with a crap ton of other girls that like me and stuff like that, which is actually remained true throughout the series. It looks like a harem, but it's absolutely not a harem. And so, um, and then, and it's just like, and I want to flirt with her sort of thing. So it gives some context to the uh, listeners in case you guys don't know. Uh, Rascal Never Dreams of Bunny Girl Senpai is basically um, a story about how uh, Sakta was in the library, uh, you know, studying and surprisingly finds uh, another girl wearing a very attractive bunny outfit. 
And he was just staring at her being like, huh, like, why is she wearing that? But it was clear that no one else in the library can see her. And he ended up being the only one who can interact with her. And it was through that that he discovers something called the adolescence syndrome or puberty syndrome, depending on which translation you've seen. And sort of goes into a more supernatural, but also like a good take on sort of the teenager mindset and sort of things that um, things that teenagers deal with. And so Sakta and Mai, I just think their interactions are so simple but genuine. And it's like I said, it's the way they flirt with each other. It's the way that they, um, when they have fights, which is perfectly normal for couples to have, they actually, the anime makes sure to show them resolving it by talking it out and being like, you know, what went wrong. And I think one of my favorite parts in the series is when, um, it was actually at the very end where they got into that fight, where both sides ended up apologizing because it was like, oftentimes, whether you like it or not, fights, there's kind of fault lying with both sides, with both people. And a lot of times people forget and one side tends to apologize more than the other. But in their case, they both take their turns being like, no, I'm wrong because of A, B, and C. And then the other one be like, no, but I was also wrong for X, Y, and Z. And so I really like that about those two. And I, I was so glad when they won the best couple because on our anime training awards because I do think they are just such a healthy, solid couple, especially for teenagers. So yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. They it's very healthy in that sense too, that they're that both parties are willing to express that they've done something wrong or potentially overstepped boundaries. Mm-hmm. Which is clearly not shown enough in anime because people prefer to relish in the drama of like Something goes terribly wrong. The couple breaks up and then they come back together. They're like, I'm so sorry. I loved you all along. <laughs> and it's like, okay, yeah, sure, fine. Like, like just, you're not going to have another fight like 10 chapters later. Just hearing about it was already making my stress level skyrocket. <laughs> like, <laughs> because, I mean, let's be honest. If you're in a relationship with someone and you really love that person, fighting with them doesn't feel comfortable at all. If anything, you kind of want to resolve it as soon as possible because it's just, it's, it doesn't feel good to sort of leave that in the ooh wavy area like who's talking to who (laughs) sort of thing and like and Sakta and Mai like does not hold back in that regard whether it's like even when Mai accidentally ran into like an embarrassing situation or like a misunderstanding situation with Sakta literally the day after she was like why haven't you tried to explain it to me yet and I'm like yes girl ask for the solution like ask for what the heck is going on I also do really just like this is another small tidbit of things. I don't, I can't say if like anime hasn't shown this before. They probably have. I just, none is coming to my mind right now. But I do kind of like how they're involved with each other's like siblings, you know? Like Mai helps Kaede with her, um, with her confidence and like, bringing her clothes that would make her feel prettier and feel more confident and like being this confident cool role model to a little sister who's gone through a lot of bullying and is scared to step outside and stuff like that and then in Sakta's case you know sort of like was sort of like talking to Nonoka about her uh, insecurities with Mai as her older sister and it's like it's a it's a small thing but I do like how they're they're involved with each other's families and siblings because it's like it shows like how serious they're taking their relationship is I mean but maybe it's just me (laughs) 
No, yeah, I definitely like that aspect. I kind of also see like Horamiya, you know, how they interact with their siblings as well. Yes, I feel like it's a very, yeah. very important part of the relationship to be able to get along with someone's siblings because, you know, yeah. it's like family to them. So mm-hmm. I really like seeing that interaction between them as well. Not not to mention between uh, Sakuta and his sister as well. It's always cute to see that. Mm-hmm. Oh, Isabel. For sure, yeah. Actually, like, what about you? Because, you know, I know you've mentioned you have siblings. Like, do does your current boyfriend interact with them? Or, you know, have you had relationships where they've interacted with them and it's sort of like a little telling about who they are and stuff? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I have, I have one younger sister, so he's definitely uh, talked to her and seen her. And um, it's been a pretty good relationship, I would say. And uh, he's even taken to just saying her nickname. Um, <laughs> so I like that Very a lot too. Cute. And uh I've actually gone to see his he has two other brothers as well, younger brothers. Um and I've interacted with them and um nowadays we just talk on like Discord and like they barge into his room all the time while we're talking and <gasps> I think it's so just funny. cute. I'm like <laughs> so common and then my sister will barge into my room too and start talking. So it's kind of nice to see that interaction and um we get along pretty well, so that's nice. Oh my gosh, that classic is classic so sibling cute. energy. Yes, classic. <laughs> I feel like there's not enough of that in animes because a lot of times, like the the brothers and sisters are kind of like very aloof or like pushed mm. so far off the side character role that they basically don't exist. Yeah. in the sphere or, of like or they actually talking to be like to... only children or something like that, or it's like if there are yeah. siblings, it's sort of mentioned in passing, like it's not a big deal, sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's the convenience sort of. It's convenient to just kind of like write off the siblings, but in fact, that's like a huge factor of like how you can potentially integrate well into their family and the in the circles of people that they know. Yeah, especially, and I understand mm-hmm. it's different for different couples. Like I I know stories of siblings who just do not get along whatsoever so maybe it's not as big of a deal if your significant other doesn't really get along with um or it just hasn't really interacted with your sibling but for those you know who with closer relationships or you know even normal sibling relationship which is you kind of love them and you kind of hate them at the same time depending (laughs) on the day and time like I think it is important that they get along with the family because I also think just overall interactions become so much easier because of that so for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, that's why I really love Sakta and Mai. I think they're just an excellent example of a really healthy couple that teenagers should really, really look to. And also and I also want to reiterate on why I think flirting is important is because anime kind of has a tendency to make flirting sort of taboo. You know, like I said, it's kind of regaled to only like the Playboy characters who have a or um the players who have who have a lot of girls in their track and stuff like that. But it's like flirting is a normal thing to do when you see someone you're attracted to and it gives flirting is actually a very good way to indicate to the other person to be like, "Hey, I'm interested in you." And if the other person flirts back with you, that's a really good indication of, hey, like, you know, I'm sort of vibing with you about it sort of thing. And it's just overall kind of it's good communication between two people without having to be over about it sort of thing. I feel like I feel like there should be more flirting in anime. That's all I want to say. So that's my PSA. Um, But uh, my second couple should come to no surprise. It's Kyo and Toru from Fruits Basket. 
Oh my gosh, yes, kill and Toru. I thought you're good. I thought I thought someone's going to mention Roy and Reason. I'm like, ah, yes, <laughs> but this one's also ah, yes. <laughs> I feel like Roy Reason is just so solid in anime history. Like, is there anything for us to discuss about them? You know, they are perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yes, I I like um, the why, the reason why I mentioned Kyo and Toru is because there is a bit of a love triangle per se with Yuki and Toru, even though season two has dispelled that by now. But essentially, the reason why I think Kyo and Toru is very important to discuss on, especially in the context of the love triangle, is that Kyo and Toru are more balanced as a relationship than Yuki and Toru. And Yuki himself even notes in an episode being like, if he stays with her, if he like if he gets too close or he like if he stays with her and latches onto her, he will essentially become emotionally dependent on her. And that is, you know, as he himself pointed out, not healthy at all to either party and much less an actual romantic relationship. When it comes to romantic relationships, you should absolutely be more shared and balanced in regards to this emotional support and, and this mental support as well, which I feel like Kyo's the only one who really provides to Toru because Toru is therapist is to so many of the Soma family members that they notice when something's off or wrong, but they don't really do too much about it or try to comment on it too much about it. They'll be like, oh, are you okay sort of thing. But Kyo's the only one who's like, hey, if you're having trouble, express it. And it's not a big deal, you know, like, and, and, um, and like the titular scene for me is because it's funny because I didn't really ship one or the other. Like I was okay with whoever Toru ended up with when I was a kid. And obviously a lot more green in regards to relationships mm-hmm. as a whole. But, you know, watching it as an adult and having that titular scene where uh, where Kyo's the one who pointed out, like, hey, like, because Toru's like, oh, why do you still feel tense at your shisho and stuff like that? And Kyo's like, actually, you're the one who's been tense today. Is it because of the whole, like, talking about future beyond high school sort of thing? And Toru just breaks down and immediately tries to stop herself she's like I can't have this cry I can't have this cry you know sort of thing and Kyo's like it's fine like it's fine if you're feeling lost or troubled you know like let's talk about it let's talk through it and you know don't try to change the subject into like you know my own insecurities or someone else's in the family's insecurities because you're too scared to talk about your own like let's let's be like you know let's talk through this and that scene was just so, so important, I think, to showing, like, Kyo's the only one who really, really sees and, like, supports her in the same way that she supports him. And that is why I ship them, and I think their relationship is important for everyone to see. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> we, we might as well just rename this podcast The Girl Talk with TED Talk. <laughs> Girl Talk with TED Talk, yes. Um, but yeah. Basically, I'm like, I, I, I'm like, don't argue with me on this. I would go to my grave for this. But also, please argue with me with me on this if you guys disagree. <laughs> I definitely do agree with you on all those friends because Yuki has his own. So he has so many other problems that he has to deal with that at the moment he can't really spare himself to like, I guess, watch over Toru and ask her like she's okay. Mm-hmm. Which is which is fine as friends because like you know we're all like separate human beings and sometimes we can't we can't always devote our energies to other people, but it's not truly a, a harmonious relationship when it's one side that gives all and one side that takes all. 
which is why, like, I guess the the Yuki and Toru relationship never really pans out in the end. Mm-hmm. And I do really appreciate Fruits Basket actually pointing it out from Yuki himself, which is which also tells you how much Yuki has grown as a character to recognize it and be like, I can't be with her this way because I will just become dependent on her and I won't grow as a person and that's not what I want, which is like chef's kiss, great character development, you know, great message for whoever's watching it or seeing it. But it it, it is also very important for romantic relationships. Like you want to give just as much as you take and like make sure that this relationship is balanced. And Kyo's the one who really balances her and gives her that sort of attention on when she's not okay compared to everyone else who sort of is like are you okay you know but like that's the most they go towards versus Keo being like let's talk about let's work through this it's fine if you don't feel okay like you know like you help us I help you you know sort of thing so yeah yeah it's definitely hard when you have that person who's always there for you and how like you know like Toru's like a therapist for them that like they don't end up asking you know if she's all right or even think about it and then Kyo just goes ahead and, you know, addresses that fact. And then also in some aspects, I also feel like Kyo acts really fast, maybe because of his, you know, it's just, just his nature to just jump in on things and mm-hmm. just act impulsively. Whereas Yuki mm-hmm. will go ahead and think about it a little more. There's been some, I think I remember in some scenes where, he, you know, he he wants to do thoughtful, thoughtful things for Toru, but he's a little late. Like he's later than Kyo, whereas Kyo has already kind of taken care of the problem. Or yes, at least addressed it. That is mm-hmm. such a good point. I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was one of the scenes. Wasn't there a scene where he, where um, I think like her house was getting torn down. I don't even know why Toru was living in the tent, but I think Kyo did something first, or unless Yuki did it, but I can't remember. But they, I feel like they came together as a family to help her as well, which is nice. Yes, yes, for sure. I'm thinking of like maybe did they air this already? Gosh, I can't. <laughs> this is what happens when you read the manga. <laughs> her emotionally struggling it has always been Kyo there to support her you rarely see another character do that and so I think in, sec- in the second season at the beginning you know it was her talking about her future but there was also later in the season where um you know where she visited her grandfather her grandfather was like I really miss you know my son and my daughter-in-law and that gave that shook her and that was really scary for her and Kyo purposefully went to go pick her up essentially obviously he's a tsundere so he tries to bush brush it aside as oh, yeah. like I was in the area <laughs> you know sort of thing but <laughs> like he's but he very blatantly went there to go get her because he had a feeling that it's probably not that easy to see another family relative who really loves you and cares about you in a bad shape because she's already lost everyone else and so he's the only one who's ever thought of that so yeah i love those two and that's basically it so i will stop Mm -hmm. talking now (laughs) (laughs) all right well isabel your turn who are the two you have and if we continue at this rate i still have two others i'm more than happy to talk about yes gracie talks a lot so um, okay yeah Let's see, yeah, how's, uh, we can go through mine. Um, the first one I have is uh, from Seven Deadly Sins. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but uh, I do really like the, the couple Bond and, and Elaine from the show. Okay, I don't, I don't watch it, but even I know about them. 
the 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 obvious clapping that I make is in solidarity to your choices, Isabel. I respect. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, uh, personally, like Seven Deadly Sins is a show where I I, I don't like anim- uh, anime that are centered in adventure too much. But, you know, I decided to watch it, and uh, Bonnie Lane made me stick around for it, so. Wow, I so that, they're, they're the cute. ship that, wow, so the ship that made Wait, you actually, stay. I, <laughs> yeah. I feel that, too. That was the only reason why I stayed by Deadly Sins Wait, for, like, really? the longest time. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because there was so much hope in that ship from, like, the beginning up until the end, and then everything else in the main plot was kind of, like, inconsequential. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, at least that's how I took it. Because I feel like the why? ship draws you in. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was about to ask, like, why do you think the ship draws you in so well? I think it's because the way they started, it's like such a short interaction. Um, Bond is known as the sin of greed. And so how it starts off is that he's just um, a bandit who's looking for the fountain of youth because he's like, well, if I can have the fountain of youth, I can just do whatever I want with my life. I can be immortal. Um but Elaine is a fairy that protects the um, fairy king's forest, protects the um, protects the fountain of youth, and uh, and then Bond is trying to get that. But if he does take it, then the the forest is essentially going to die. And um, so he just sits there for like a week. He decides to become Elaine's friend. And uh, during that time, she's just she just wondered, you know, why is this guy here? Why does he why is he not doing anything else? And and because she can read minds too, which is kind of crazy, she realizes that he is just very pure and he doesn't really think about anything else. And then hearing that if he does take the fountain, the force will go will essentially die. Um, he decides to just not go for it anymore. So he she thought that was amazing. And I think it's just a sense that they are longing for each other. So that part of the relationship, they they were only together for a week and they essentially fall in love with each other. But unfortunately, um, I think it was a demon, right? Or something that pretty yeah, much just like a demon beast. Yeah, just destroys the forest and Elaine ends up giving the fountain of youth like a little bit of the water to him so he's able to become immortal and defeat the demon, but in the process Elaine dies. And it's just so sad to see that. And and I feel like their relationship like throughout the show you're just waiting for them to get back together because um they do visit like the underworld and they see Elaine there. So just having that hope makes you want to be really involved in that relationship and hope to, hope that they see each other later, mm-hmm. which they do, but yeah. <laughs> and then there's also the really interesting part is Bon actually being part of the crew that Elaine's brother is on too. So there's another like sibling dynamic that's added to that oh, as well. Yeah. Because right after we there's the episode that they talk about Bon and Elaine's relationship, you skip over to where her younger brother tries to basically kill Bon, but he's like, oh yeah, I forgot you're immortal. And the entirety of like that segment of their relationship is King harboring a um an anger and a fury towards Bon because Bon allegedly was responsible for his sister's like quote unquote death. But in the end, they were all just kind of like broken because Elaine had died, and eventually they like resolve over that, and then they become buddies again. Oh, I like I saw I, I don't watch it, but I watch clips of it. Yes, I purposefully go on YouTube to watch clips of those two. But one of the things I remember seeing because the comment made me laugh so hard was they. Um, I don't know how I I think Elena was only temporarily back at that time, but she. 
but she was talking to her brother and her brother was talking about wings and Bong was like, oh, so you're going to get wings, huh? You know, sort of thing. And Elena was just like, uh, Elena was like, whatever, like, you know, perverted or weird thing you're thinking of, stop it. And Bong is like chuckling. And the top comment was like, Elena, he hasn't like, you know, he's been celibate for like this many years now. Of course, he's going to be horny for you. <laughs> Classic Bong. He's, he's abstained his greed for so long. <laughs> hyper focused on one person in reality so extraordinarily hyper focused yeah. holy crap uh, the unattainable will always be the unattainable am i right yes okay so here's my uh, here's my second question to you um there are a lot of couples in seven deadly sins i know that without question why is it that those two stood out so much? Even like for someone like me, I it never even interested me to look at the other couples because I just hear about Bon and Elena so much. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just that sense of longing they've been waiting for each other for so long. And not to mention like Bon makes it his life. I feel like it's kind of his goal in life to get Elaine back. Um, mm. No matter what he has to do, it doesn't matter. So I feel like the other couples don't really have that type of um, like strength or kind of longing for a relationship to happen. I guess the other one that is pretty interesting is definitely between Elizabeth and Melodius. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, because you know they're always there together, and um, and uh, it's uh, and Melodius has definitely like a whole bunch of other things that he's thinking about, you know, with his uh, with the demons and what he has to do, and also as a captain of the seven uh seven deadly sins uh, there's just so much going around him but then bond for him he's just like yeah i'm a sin but i'm definitely going to do what i can for elaine yes melodious you're my captain too but still what i'm gonna do is for <laughs> elaine i'm gonna go off on this mission and then come back <laughs> even stronger type situation bond is like my number one priority is horny on me that's <laughs> elaine <laughs> Goodbye, Melodious. Hello, Elaine. Bye-bye. <laughs> a man's got to do what he's got to do. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. I'm so glad you mentioned that. That was like that. Just think hearing about them makes me so happy. <laughs> um, so who's your second one, Isabel? Yeah, my second one um, it is Kotaro and Akane from um, Tsuki ga Kire. Or something. Oh. Yeah, that that show did really well um, on our charts. I remember back in like mm-hmm. 2017 or earlier. I forget. Yeah, but, one anime of the year. It surprised everyone. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, and uh, I actually just picked it up because I was like, I want a romance show this season. This looks pretty cute, and uh, it's basically about two junior high school students who just fall in love with each other. I feel like it's any like any other school story. But what makes um, them special, at least, is that they have a lot of awkward exchanges. They're very, very quiet, shy, and like reserved. And most of their communication is through text, which I feel like is so, so relatable in this day and age. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was super cute, like their little interactions and how um, I, they're kind of like very, very different from Mai and Sakata, where they, they're just kind of like confident in themselves and they you know, communicate really well. This is like a couple that doesn't really communicate well outside of their phones, <laughs> which. <laughs> oh, so it's like it, it's like realistic in the mm-hmm. teenager way sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
definitely. <laughs> Communicate through TikToks. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, I haven't even tried to learn that new platform at all. So. Same. I, I stay away from that platform. <laughs> you know, yeah, I stayed away until until my boyfriend started showing me TikToks. And I'm like, okay, I see where this is going. And I don't know why he's <laughs> on it all the time. We're very close in age, so I'm wondering why he's always on and on this time. But he's like, I want to be like the kids. I want to be like, you know, young <laughs> And I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure. Why does your boyfriend sound like an old man now? He's like, I want to be like the kids. I don't know it's why, like, but like the way you said it kind of reminds me of Tanjiro and Demon Slayer when um, there was like, oh, we have our swords again. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, but okay, so oh, yeah. those um, and those two not only won anime of the year, but also best couple. So that anime scored big on our awards. Um, what was it? That's was it? Literally just like the pureness, like the genuine sort of relationship that gets developed between them that called out to you. Like what was so different about those two? Yeah, definitely. I feel like it was just very genuine and very realistic. Like when you like someone or like in school or something, right? If you have a crush, you'll just kind of look at them in the middle of the classroom and then look away. Um, I think the anime does an excellent job of just focusing on that, those little shots. They don't, like usually you'll have maybe like a thoughts running through the head, but like the way the anime does it is that they just show kind of like Kotaro looking at her and then looking away. Or even when they, they are together, they don't really spend that time looking at each other sometimes. They just look away and continue talking. And I feel like that's just so relatable to me, at least, and probably a lot of other people who just look away like, I can't talk to you right now. I'm a little too anxious. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. That is big mood. That is such a big mood. Good way to use the animation media, though, because I, I've talked mm-hmm. about this in uh, detail with Shauna, but Shauna was talking about how she was surprised how many internal monologues there are in anime, because usually when you do any sort of like, whether it's live action or animation media in the West, you don't really hear as much internal monologuing because they opt to use expressions, you know, instead to sort of, or actions instead to do the showing instead of the telling of how I feel. And I think anime tends to fall, um, while anime uses monologues a lot of times to a good degree, sometimes it does fall into a bad degree. And like, you know, like you said, like, they would monologue, oh, oh, I'm so nervous, you know, or it's like, oh, I can't look at her sort of thing. But just having that silent moment of just looking away or kind of like glancing and quickly looking away tells a lot on its own already. Like we don't need monologues to sort of supplement it. And so the fact that um, the fact that the anime actually managed to do that is just bravo, bravo. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of that in the anime. Um, I feel like it mostly stems from the main um, guy, Kotaro. He does a lot of that. Um, it's also because we see mostly the anime from his standpoint. So we're finally following his um, adventure or journey through school. He's trying to become like a writer. And he d- he draws a lot of like, um, I want to say, words from his favorite writer, Osamu Dazai, as well. Oh! So he, yeah, he uses those like words Classic. and terms to apply to his life and say these (gasps) philosophical things about life or his relationship. Mm -hmm. I love it! (laughs) I love it when stories do that. Okay. (laughs) We stand a good literature boy. Yes, yes. That's what he is, yeah. And then on the other hand, Akane is kind of a girl who is supposed to be really good at running and in track, um, but in reality, she's also very anxious. I really like this little 
cute potato thing that he has. It's like a stress ball that she's always oh. like pushing and stuff. And when she loses it, she's like devastated. But 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 <laughs> your man Kotaro finds it for her, and she's like, oh my god, I really needed this. And you know, that's kind of like the little moments in the relationship that I really liked, and little moments in the anime where they kind of try to do things for each other, um, which is definitely relatable. Okay, that's great. That's so cute. Yeah, I love it. I love it. But but yeah. Well, that made me feel all warm and fuzzy inside now. Like, I have you shoujo bubbles around me as we speak. (laughs) Okay, so before we close off the episode, I do want to give a bit of LGBTQ representation because all the couples and ships we have discussed have been... um, have been very cis hetero. I uh, my third one. I um I was gonna talk about when we had time, and uh, I mean I could talk about Roy and Hawkeye, but Roy and Hawkeye are just top of the world, and nothing's gonna topple them, and no one can argue with me on this. This is a closed case, so that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so <laughs> the one I want to talk about is Mafuyu and Uenoyama from Given. Yes. Yeah, I think their relationship and sort of like how it got to where it was is so well done and layered. And I'm I'm just going to skip straight to the point, which is the way that Uenoyama pursued Mafuyu. I mean, granted, Mafuyu clearly was starting to crush on Ue beforehand, but Mafuyu was dealing a lot, to say the least, uh, in regards to his ex-boyfriend who committed suicide. And so and so the way that Ue, Uenoyama uh, pursued Mafuyu was just so genuine and careful and loving and concerned for Mafuyu that it was just so selfless. Even like in that moment and the titular moment where after the concert, Uenoyama reaches over and kisses Mafuyu. It wasn't like a make out, tongue in the mouth sort of kiss. It was just like a quick kiss to be like, you did such an amazing job and I'm so proud of you. And that's all I want to say and like, you know, portray to you at this moment because that's what matters more than anything. And giving that like, giving that sort of like positive affirmation to Mafia who has been dealing with such, you know, emotional trauma from having someone you love commit suicide was so romantic to me that I was just like, and I, and it was so layered in that fact that I was just like, I, I love how they did it. I love how this was in a way, like this was a moment where Uenoyama uh, confesses to Mafuyu, but it wasn't even really about the confession. It was just about the fact that he loves Mafuyu so much and just wants him to know how proud he is to like do something so brave and hard. And so, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's like my little spiel about those two. And I will always support my boys. So, yes. <laughs> I stand. You basically took everything out of me. <laughs> I, I just. It's just like it's just so supportive, and I I love seeing that support between them. I mean, I guess like like you two definitely shipped them, right? But it's like like you know, what was your moment in the anime that sort of like that sort of stood out to you? Because uh, there are so many moments between them, but that one was just so powerful to me. That's that's all I could ever think of whenever I think about them. Well, also when when Oyama visits Mafia's home, and that's my scene. <laughs> that's my scene. It's like <laughs> okay, you talk about it. You talk about it. <laughs> I okay, I love that scene so much because I feel like that's so relatable when you go visit somebody that you obviously have very strong feelings for or even like 
anything else, you know, like if you're like go visiting a friend, like the first thing you notice is like when you enter that that entrance, it's like, what? How does their house feel? What does it smell like? Like what? What are all these sensory things that you're not used to? How how does it make you feel? And the fact that he kind of and the fact that he kind of like fanboys inside, he's like, oh my god, it smells yeah. like him. It's like. It's like, and like, that is such a mood. <laughs> that is such a mood. And I also like the, the little, little explosion. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> like, at first, like, when I was watching it, I thought it was, like, somebody had edited in, like, you know how, like, a, like a, like a parody yes, effect. Yes, yes, yes. For, like, clips, like, oh, this is how he should have been feeling. But it was, like, a, a deliberate decision from the animator. So I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I need. That little implosion that you don't want to tell your crush about how great they look, even though they're sleepy, but <laughs> you can't help yourself. Oh, uh, that's You're a, just still horny. Yeah, no, it, this actually reminds me of another thing, which I really like how the story sort of, you know, if we were talking about in, in the Yaoi episode before how, um, you know, even Yuri on Ice really set the stage and, you know, set the tone for these new uh, new uh, gay gay love stories, but they still feed into a lot of the stereotypes and sort of like the superficial stuff, but, um, but what Given is good at is in their nuanced relationship between Uenoyama and Mafuyu is they sort of like blend where the relationship lies like where the uke who the uke is and who the seme is because like it's like because when you look at it it's like oh Mafuyu is the uke sort of thing but he doesn't act in any shape or form how some of the uke's act for example he's a lot more forward in the relationship with Uenoyama and it's Ue who's like panicking <laughs> sort of thing oh, like yeah. when mafia is like oh it's dark let's hold hands and we was like ah <laughs> you know like you know like is this and, is it is this appropriate to call it the what is the term the gay panic scene oh, oh, oh <laughs> the best okay so i told uh so my roommate i told my roommate how like i one of my favorite parts is how uh we gay panics all the time and then my roommate corrected me she's like no no, no it's not just gay panic it's gay virgin panic <laughs> um but yeah so that was another thing i really appreciate about this couple is that they blurred those like very strict lines that a lot of gay couples tend to show where one is clearly more feminine quote-unquote one is clearly more masculine quote-unquote but it's like no in this case mafia mafia is the one who is more um who's more proactive in regards to things like when Uwe is visiting him and Mafia is like, stay a little longer. Uwe is like, no, I'm just going to be in the way. It's like, just five more minutes, you know, like I'm making you stay here with me sort of thing. And so, and so that's another layer of this relationship that I feel like is really important to talk about. But uh, Isabel, what was your favorite moment? <laughs> yeah, I think my favorite moment has to be like the one you mentioned right after that um, concert and, the, and mm-hmm. the kiss basically I feel like that kiss just had a lot to it and mm-hmm. I think Mafuyu didn't really talk hasn't really you know talked about his friend or his past friend that committed suicide and um, I think Ue was kind of he kind of knew about it but he didn't really know about it but I think that when right. he you know showed all his feelings and put you know his soul into his singing and because and because you know they both are really into music and this is how it connects them um, that he can feel it through the music. He knows what he's feeling. He doesn't. He doesn't have to know exactly how it went down, right? He just has to right. feel that through the music, and he does. And he just wanted to express that. I feel like that was just a really, really great moment. Uh, 
Yeah, so that's uh, so that's the third one. I'm so glad we had time to talk about it. Also for the three of us to even fangirl about it as well. But yeah. I just hope we get to see more of these, uh, you know, sort of relationships represented for the LGBTQ community in anime. But yeah. Well, thank you everyone for staying with us to hear us talk about, you know, more of our ships and couples that we really appreciate and think are great couples to see in anime. And I hope you will join us all next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.